0: Hello and welcome to The Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am your hostess with the mostest, Sarah Allapin, on The Wedding Dish Podcast, and I am also the CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss, We've got our little French bulldog bud uh, taking a bit of a loud nap, so um, snores may be heard in your headphones today. We'll see. Um, Before we get started, if you didn't catch last week's episode, we had Becca, who is our guest today, spoiler alert, um, come on and talk a little bit about the importance of getting on a call with a vendor before you book them and what that actually looks like and how to kind of, um, you know, weed through some of the bits of that. So go through and listen to that episode um, before you hit this episode. And um, thanks, everybody, for tuning into The Wedding Dish. Are you ready? Today, we are dishing with our last week's guest, uh, who is a wedding industry veteran with over 10 years of experience. Um, She is now also a business strategist for wedding professionals and an inclusive wedding planner, the human behind Wed to You. Becca, thank you so much
1: for coming back on The Wedding Dish and joining me today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me again. It was so fun last week that I was like, we got to do this again. Because again, I know you and I can talk for hours and hours and hours. So thank you so much for having me again. And I'm super pumped to get into this with you.
0: Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have you here. So for those of you who didn't go back and listen to last week's episode before when I just told you to, um, Becca has been hanging out with us at the head table for the last two, well, this episode and last week. And we dished about the importance of talking with your vendors before booking. And this week, we're dishing about the questions to ask your wedding professionals when you get on that initial call with them. Um, So pull up a seat. And let's dish. <laughs> um, so Becca, what are some of the top questions to ask your wedding vendors when you're doing the initial interview process?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of questions that you can ask because it's all pertaining to, you know, a couple's priorities and like, what are their no-go's and, you know, what are their issues that they're foreseeing to happen? So. Um, when I am asking these questions, this is kind of generic and kind of overview of all vendors. Um, I could probably list out a bajillion questions when we're talking about specific vendors. Um, we could probably even do an episode for each vendor. Yeah, we could. We could do a totally do, do a, like season. a series. Yeah, yeah. We could just do a series because it's so intricate on the questions to ask, and I actually. Um anytime, you know, my couples um have just necessarily booked me for maybe just like wedding management, they do have the option of, you know, reaching out and I can send them a list of questions that they can ask so that they're making sure that they're asking each of their vendors all the right questions. Um <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so sorry guys. Again, my dogs are lovely, lovely creatures. One of them is having a reverse sneeze now. So I do apologize. Hopefully you can't hear it too bad. Um, Gotta love it when it happens. Um, It's real life, you know? It's real life. (laughs) It's real life. But with some of these questions, you know, it's really, again, just making sure you're hitting everything. Um, So these, again, are very generic questions. So let's get into, like, the first question. So um, how many weddings have you done like ours. So that's really important because you want to make sure that they have experience doing weddings that match you two as a couple. So whether you're getting into an interracial marriage or whether you're getting into an interfaith marriage or LGBTQ or maybe they have um, physical disabilities or anything like that, you want to make sure that that vendor is accustomed to dealing with weddings that are very similar to yours. You know, um, that's actually a question that I get asked a lot because with me being an inclusive um, planner, an inclusive vendor, they always come to me. They're like, "Have you had experience with um, an Indian Jewish wedding?" And I'm like, "To be honest, yes, I have." You know, and here's what they did it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you have to do but here's how we um made that perfect blend between those two faiths and so that everyone was happy um and by happy i mean the parents were happy um because that's one of the big things of when you're dealing with different cultures and different uh traditions and things like that Um, sometimes we do certain things just to make sure that the parents are happy (laughs) Which is one of my things that I say, don't rely on. You do you. If your parents say you have to do this, no, you don't. Um, But if it's one of those things where that faith is super important to you, is a part of your life, then yes, you want to make sure that that happens.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, sometimes when it really is a priority for your people that you love, you want to make it a priority because they're the people that you love.
1: Exactly, exactly. Like, m- prime example is, you know, like, if you're, if your parents are Catholic, okay, you've been going, you're to, you went to Catholic school, you did everything that you were supposed to do, you know, you occasionally go, you know, on holidays or something like that. Um, and it's the same for your partner, then yeah, it makes sense for you two to have a catholic ceremony because you know that in like your relationship and in kind of your family that that's something that's really important so why not do it you know but if it's one of those things where you were raised catholic and you're like i'm not into that religion anymore
0: then don't do it yeah i'm with you i'm so with you
1: yeah Um another, so we talked a little bit about, you know, done like hours kind of um weddings. Um the biggest question too, I, I like to ask is are you an inclusive vendor? You know, it's important, even if the couple necessarily doesn't fall into that particular realm, um, you know, maybe your guests do. Um, and you want them to feel comfortable. So like this, I'm not just, again, when I say inclusive, I'm not just necessarily confining it to the LGBTQ plus community. I know that that's what a lot of people reference when they say inclusive. Um, but you know, this ranges from disabilities to the queer community, to racial, to anything, you know what I mean? So like you, inclusivity is all humans. That's really what it means, you know? Um, so make sure that they're an inclusive vendor or venue, you know, because again, if you listened to last week's podcast, I talked about one of the questions is, do you have gender neutral restrooms? You know what I mean? Like that's a big thing. Are you ADA accessible? Like those are inclusive vendors.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know it it spreads to a larger like a larger piece than probably a lot of what is client facing because you know for me i ask about mobility issues especially in some of the venues in dc because they'll pack some of these venues to the point where like if i were to try to set up a light stand then i like i have to factor in you know what like how many people are going to be in that space. And also, I mean, even for like photos, in like the posed photos with your grandparents, like I need to know if your grandparents are going to be comfortable walking. And it's not just about whether they can, it's about comfort too. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think those things are super important. And they're often things that we kind of, when it's our own families, we kind of like don't always see it. Um, or think it, about it. So it's important to mm-hmm. ask those questions of your actual vendor.
1: Yeah, because it's one of those things too. Like, as you mentioned, it's not always, you don't always think of it because you're so accustomed to it. Yeah. You know, um, like for the longest time, you know, well, I wouldn't say for the longest time. Let me let me take that back. Um, we, me and my family, we never really had to think about ABA access before. I always thought about it in weddings because that's always something that comes up, especially when you're a planner. You always want to make sure that you're taking care of everyone, again, the grandparents and um, and anybody who needs ADA access. But be- since I got diagnosed with MS back in the summer of 2019, it has become a forefront for me. So I always asked before, but now I'm more in the know about it because it's at the forefront for me so like when we're going to restaurants or anything like that like that's actually something that now my sister always asks she's like you know when we're going out to dinner she calls them ahead of time and asks them and is like hey do you have an elevator or those things because she knows that not every day is a good day for me so it's the same even with your guests it doesn't necessarily confined to necessarily a certain age too so you gotta think about all your guests and what that looks like
0: totally agree totally agree and that includes like lighting too oh my gosh Um, yes it's everything i mean oh yeah people with seizures like that's a thing that's a thing yeah and that that's I ask that specifically at some of the venues that we you know you and I have mutually worked at in the city, yep, because mm-hmm. they have tough lighting situations, I will always ask if anyone has flash sensitivity,
1: yeah, that's a thing, you know, um, it could and flash sensitivity doesn't necessarily just confine to epilepsy, it can also confine to um autism as well, yeah. so yep, because that could spur. And a, you know, a flare up for them.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, even if it just makes that person uncomfortable, like, mm-hmm. we ought to know. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great one. What other questions should our couples oh, yeah, ask yeah. The, their vendors? Um,
1: we were just talking about venues and how a lot of venues that we work together, we've done in the city. Um, majority of the venues actually, um, especially in the cities make it mandatory that all your vendors have COIs on file. So certificate of insurance um, or liability insurance. Um, So it's important that your vendors are licensed um, or able to acquire um, a COI. So that's really important because while we do operate small businesses, I'm going to be honest, I actually, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this and I'm um, probably going to get some comments back at this, but I don't maintain a liability insurance for my company um, on the reg because of the the limited number of weddings that I do every year because I'm a referral base only um, for my couples. Um, and I do, you know, I work with a couple of other wedding companies, so I'm already covered under them for that. So I only take it out on a day basis for them and when I need to, when the venue does require it, because it doesn't make that much sense. So that's what I mean by a licensed vendor. So that means that they have it all the time or able to get a COI. So I'm a vendor that is able to get a COI. Technically, any vendor is able to get a COI. It's just knowing how to do that. um, And like, again, going to, to your venue and ask. What they recommend. What do you recommend our vendors use as a site? So, since they actually ask you to provide it, they should also provide you a website that enables easy access for vendors to accrue that. Yeah.
0: Totally, and I I do the same thing. It's so much more expensive to maintain, especially because we have like off seasons in mm-hmm. the wedding industry, and you know they may be small, but like if you're paying five hundred dollars a month, or even if it's only a hundred bucks a month, and you're only you're only taking like six weddings, ten weddings a year, and only
1: one of them requires it, yeah, is it worth it? You know, yeah. so. So that's that's something. Um so a licensed vendor is somebody also to be honest when you ask if they're a licensed vendor they should know what that means. If they don't know what that means there's that to me that's a red flag.
0: Yes. Yeah. And you know some there it is possible in the wedding industry if you are a new person that you actually haven't filed for your business license even. Mhm um which would enable you to get that insurance but um you know if you if you don't have like I, that's important too because that you know there there's a whole can of worms with that but yes
1: <laughs> yeah there uh, we could talk probably days about you know the things to do when starting your own business and a lot of people don't have LLCs which again that I said that that's a red flag to me that's a red flag as a as a you know, from previously working at venues um, and, you know, planning weddings. Um, however, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't, that they aren't experienced and they don't know what they're doing. Um, so, again, going back to previous next week, jump on a phone call because that helps you understand their backstory. Um, but a workaround for that, because people are like, oh, well, what if they don't have an LLC? What's the workaround for that? The workaround for that is that. You personally, as the couple, would take out that insurance and then you would list them under you to ensure that they're covered for that day. Um, And also, now a lot of venues are also requiring that the couple takes out their insurance too. So it's not just the vendors now, Um, it's these venues who want to make sure that everyone is covered. Because what if somebody slips? What if somebody falls? You know, like what if that photographer drops? their uh lens on a concrete ground and breaks it and tries to blame it on the venue because guess what that's happened to me in the past and i literally said nope we have your coi on file like take it up with your insurance
0: yeah i mean and that stuff happens like that that happened to me in june i didn't drop it but my camera strap like broke while i was Carrying something that, like, I was carrying the dress in the back, and so there's oh, no way I'm no. catching that. It didn't break, it was totally fine, but
1: it oh, was obviously
0: goodness. in front of everyone in this case. It was, and it's
1: like- one of those things where, like, your heart just drops and you got to keep going, and you know, everyone's staring at you and freaking out, and you just got to keep going, and you're like. And that happened and I will get it in a second and we'll see, please, please yes. pray um, to all all the gods that it's totally fine and I'm
0: glad to hear that it was fine. <laughs> yes. I mean, luckily I always have additional gear. I, I mean, and this is mm-hmm. why you hire professionals that you trust <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a moment of, oh, shit. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And I think that's how that photographer felt because it was raining that day. And he comes rushing in to the venue. We had the floor is wet sign up. We also had a rug out there. But he just came just rushing in and just immediately. Whoop! And oh. yep. But he caught himself. But he dropped his lens and it broke. And that lens is $300. It's an inexpensive lens. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He raised a fit about three hundred dollars. But anyways, neither here nor there. Again, COI, very important. Also, all of you venue owners listening to this, make sure that, that, that you do require this. It is important because you never know what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Um,
0: and it's a good it's a very good question for couples to put in their Um, workflow to ask if they are required to provide a COI as well, a certificate of insurance.
1: Yep. If they're required to, if their vendors are required to, because that also, again, sets up your expectations. I'm a big person. If you listen to um, our workshop together, I probably mentioned being set up for success and setting expectations is a really, really big thing. Um, so yeah, so it kind of sets up the couple's expectations of what they need to do or what their planner needs to do is making sure that all those COIs are in. Yeah, totally. So what other questions should we be Oh my goodness. Yes. I've got, girl, I got a list. I I know. I know. (laughs) Um, I saw it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you within budget? You know, um, is my budget a realistic budget for these types of services? Um, be honest. You know, if you heard me on last week's, um, episode, that was, I said, be honest, be realistic with your vendors and they'll provide you with the same honesty and realism that you were giving back. Um, so couples, couples haven't planned a wedding before, you know, like this is new to them. They have no idea. So what do they do? They go on Google, they go on the Knot. they go on wedding and they ask these questions and they'll see, oh, the average cost of a wedding is like 32000 or something like that. That's across the whole damn United States. That isn't talking about D.C. That isn't talking about New York, like New York, New York, New York City. Like that isn't talking about those areas where the inflation is higher. So you gotta take that into account is... Having a $32,000 wedding in the heart of DC for 200 guests, I'm going to be honest with you, that's not realistic. Yeah. You know, that's going to cover just your catering right there. <laughs> that yeah. the, And not including rentals or anything. That's just going to cover just that, you know, just based on, you know, my experience. So it's our job as professionals to educate them and set them up for success. So that is something that you want to ask when going in to a call with your vendor is say, hey, I'm budgeting X for this service. What do you think? I'm hoping that that's enough because that's what I budgeted. But like, is that is that a real number to work with? And yeah. also to be honest too, is like your budget may not match that vendor's budget and that's okay too. So if you're a stickler on being like, This is my budget. There's no budget. This is what I got to go with. That's okay. You're going to find a vendor that works for you.
0: Totally. Totally. And I think, you know, to echo that, like, ask what's included too. Um, Because it's really important to know, like, if your catering includes rentals, but it's like, it might be a little pricier, but it still may save you. Or it may be that you don't need rentals. Um, Maybe that your venue includes it. Yeah. Yeah. So find out what's included. And, you know, that that's one of the other pieces too. talking to your actual vendors as you're, you know, all of these things. We could say it a thousand
1: times, talk to your vendors. Oh my goodness. Yes. Again, beating, beating a dead horse. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry y'all, but jump on a call. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I know you don't want to. I mean, I, I, I mean, hey, I'm a millennial, I get it. When somebody calls me, I'm like, why are you calling me? This could be a text, you know? (laughs) I do the same thing, but I always jump on a call with my couples. I always jump on a call with my business strategy clients too, because it's hard sometimes to articulate what you want. Um, So this also kind of talking about budget and like what's included too. So that kind of brings me into our next question of like, how long has your vendor been in business Um, for weddings, like explicitly for weddings, like how long have they been doing this Um, or how long have they been in business? Because those are two very separate things that I kind of want to address too. So experience and knowledge equals higher rates. Again, I will repeat this. Experience and knowledge equals higher rates. Yet you're getting what you pay for, okay? The reason why they are a little bit more expensive is because they've been doing this for a hot minute. They know all the ins and outs. They're going to set you up for success. They're going to make sure that you're taken care of. They've already dealt with all of the fires in the past. Probably, to be honest, nothing surprises them anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And they're experienced in finding solutions already because they've dealt with those scenarios. So you are getting what you pay for. And I'm going to mention this too of also you're getting what you're paid for if they're not as experienced as well. So also just because, you know, I kind of mentioned this just because they've been in business versus how long they've been in the industry are two separate things. Because an example for me is I started my business in the summer of 2020 so i'm going on 3 years and you're like oh that's not that's not that that old yet however i have been in the industry in the wedding industry specifically for over 10 years you know so for me and i have been doing weddings for that long like i've been planning them executing them f- selling the whole nine yards so My rates are a little higher because of my knowledge and experience. So just because they've been only in business for a few years doesn't always mean that they don't have the knowledge or experience. They maybe just decided to take the leap in starting their own business. So always ask about their background um, because that's really important. Because there are some newbies out there that are like, you know, I had my own wedding and I loved it, and I plan my own wedding, and I want to start planning weddings. And I am like, cool all for that. That's awesome. They're probably not going to have the knowledge and experience. So their rates are a little lower because they can be a little lower because they're like, look, I haven't been doing this that long, but I'm excited to do this. And I'm excited to work with you versus the planner who's been doing this for 15 years, you know? So, um, and again, I just relate things to my planning life. This, it goes across all fronts, um of from venue to photographer to hair and makeup to, to it all. So this is for all vendors.
0: God, I just counted and I've almost had 20 years in the wedding industry now.
1: Yay! That's so exciting. Oh my gosh, don't think of that as a negative. That's a positive girl. That's Kudos crazy. to you.
0: Time flies. Um that is insanity.
1: But, that, um, is, that is also why you have your own podcast. That is also why you started District Bliss. That is also why you do the things that you do because you are kick-ass and you have the knowledge and experience. Well,
0: thanks. That's um, yeah, also why I take couples that I really, truly love and that I'm really excited about their wedding day and their wedding vision. And I refer out for the other ones that I just don't feel like it's the perfect fit. You didn't vibe. Yep, didn't vibe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then that brings me into my next question: is ask them like, you know, we're talking about vibing again. If you listen to last week's episode, vibing was like our hashtag. Um, I think it's just my hashtag across the whole board. Um, So we're just going to keep going with that. Um, Asking them what their signature style is. Um, That is something because then you'll understand their air quote around vibe. This can apply to multiple vendors um, to see if you're the right fit for them. You know, this is style, personalities. Um, This is something style can range, you know, for, again, I'm just going to highlight a few vendors, not all vendors, but um, a signature style for a photographer could be light and airy. You know, Um, a signature style for a makeup artist could be glam you know, a signature style for a planner could be, you know, luxury. Um, A signature style for an officiant could be serving the queer community, you know, so their style ranges. So we're not just talking about just the looks of it. We're also talking about their personalities as well. So you're going into your wedding day and you're going to be working super close with your vendors. Um, And I say that you're the closest with your wedding planner (laughs) because you talk to them the most. Um, They need to become your bestie, okay? They need to be your biggest cheerleaders. They need to be your biggest supporters. They need to go to bat for you. Um, So you gotta make sure that you're on the same page with them. And if you're not vibing, again, hashtag vibing. Um, If you're not vibing, then it ain't going to work. Because later down the road, it's going to cause so many more issues. So um, be cognizant of that their style matches your style um, and your vision. So yeah, yeah. Because this can go also with venues, too. You know, like, is that, you know, that's, that's your number one pick? you know, when you first start selecting your vendors. So, um, you know, a venue look can depict all the rest of your style for your wedding, you know? Um, so that leads me into my next one, um, is asking your vendors if they've done weddings at your venue or worked with some of the vendors that you booked. That's key because knowledge and experience is half the battle people like. Having vendors who have worked together before is, is huge because they already know how each other operate and they can immediately sync up and be like, let's do this thing. And they don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of, hi, I'm this person. This is what I do. Am I going to step on your toes? Blah, blah, blah. They've worked together. They've danced together. They're ready to go. You know, um, and this also is really helpful too, with your venue, if you've worked at that venue before, you know, the pluses and minuses to that venue, because again, with every person thing, you know, um, atmosphere, there's always pluses and minuses to everything. There is never going to be a 100% perfect fit. Um, so when looking at your venue, you know, and having your vendors be familiar with it again, that's a big part because that's going to help you, you know, they're already going to understand what solutions for you. They're already going to st- understand the problems that you may face down the road of, Hey, their plan B. Have you talked to them about it? Because their plan B is not that great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rain like, it's a really has the, to be as good. Yes. Yes. Uh, that this venue may be a kick-ass venue, but. Their rain plan, ooh, you're going to need some pipe and drape, honey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or it's going to be really dark, really dark. So then we need to add more lighting and we need to use up lighting and like all those things. So having your vendors be familiar with our venue and also your vendors knowing each other is cool. That's why we also... Um, when you book a venue is they have vendor recommendations for that reason is because they know that those are the people that understand who they're working with and like know the challenges and know the success rates. And it's the same thing. Like when you hire your photographer, they have a referral list, you know, because they've worked together with these people and like, they're like, Hey, they're really cool. Yeah. And I get your
0: vibe. So I know. That they, this other person is within this style
1: or whatever that you're looking for. Within the scope, yeah. Within the total scope of, like, what you're looking for, you know. Um, Another one, it kind of goes back to budget, but are there any other fees to be aware of? Like, you showed me all your pricing, you know, you sent me over the proposal, which is awesome. And I love it. And I think that I want to move forward. But is there anything down the road that like, might creep up? Um, I see this actually a lot, a lot of other fees too will like apply to hotels and things like that. So if you are booking a hotel venue, while they may be very inclusive, and it may be the best decision for you, you always want to make sure that you're asking if there are any additional fees. So when a vendor sends over a proposal, they may not share with you right away all the upcharges that may accumulate down the planning process road. Um, so like some examples are like vendor meals or travel fees or parking or um, accommodations for them because they're from out of state or additional assistance on the wedding day based on logistics. Cause I'll be honest, as a wedding planner, I actually don't add on my assistants until we've had our final details meeting to discuss logistics, um, because I don't fully understand the scope yet of what that wedding day is going to look like. I have a very high level view. We pulled together a lot of design and things like that, and that already in my head is like, oh, I already know that I need to add on a few. But then when we start talking logistics, I'm like, oh, I may need to add on a few more. You know, so... Um, that's something delivery fees. I mean, the list could go on about what upcharges each vendor has. Um, but yeah, like the travel fees, you know, like that, that's for hair and makeup artists. That's for your wedding planner. I mean, that's for any vendor technically. Like for me, my travel fee is all, I don't charge travel fees with anything within a two hour timeframe. If it goes above two hours, then there's a travel fee on top of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: Yeah, because it's 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 a long day, guys. You also have to realize that. Like your wedding vendors, they're on their feet anywhere between, you know, eight to sixteen hours plus on their feet. So like having to drive four hours there, then work a wedding, and then drive four hours back home,
0: that's yeah. rough. Yeah, it's like that's a point where I'm like, I'm gonna get a place to stay here.
1: Exactly. And that's where accommodations come into play. And that's why I'm saying, like, my limit's two hours. But if it's like, hey, we wanna go just outside Richmond, so that's two and a half hours, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll just charge a little extra for the travel because I'm still gonna drive home from just outside of Richmond, you know? But if you're like, hey, we're going to, you know, Charleston south carolina or like north carolina my brain's not working sorry guys i don't i don't know i i did not pass geography this is why i use ways i'm just letting you know um
0: (laughs) no judgment no judgment from us here at the wedding dish
1: (laughs) but i do know that driving there i think it's like eight hours you know, so I'm going to ask for overnight accommodations. And those overnight accommodations, that's going to be, um, I'm going to travel in the day before your rehearsal so that I can get acclimated, then be with you at the rehearsal, then be with you at the wedding. And then also the day after is what I'll be going for that. as well. So like, yeah, because you got to think about like, also my body, she don't do well in the car. So like... <laughs> Um, for long periods of time because of my MS. So like it's just one of those things that I have to set up myself for success for my wedding couples. So that's a part of it. So those are some of the fees. You always want to ask them, are there any additional fees to be aware of? Um and if they say no, I'm sorry, they're lying.
0: It should also be in their contract, ideally. So make sure you read that.
1: Yeah. And and what I see meaning like they're lying. I'm probably saying if it's not in their contract, if it's not in their proposal, and if you hop on that proposal call and talk about everything and they said no, I'm going to be like, mm, really? Really? Like if they didn't mention meals, if they didn't mention parking, if they didn't mention any of that, those to me, that would be a red flag. A yeah. Red flag.
0: I mean, for me, like if parking is $35, $35, I'm generally not going to invoice you for that after your wedding. I just – to me, it's right. like not worth it. But it is in my contract that you have to pay mm-hmm. it. So like if it was – like if I wanted to invoice you, I could. To me, like, I don't know, chasing somebody for $35 or like
1: uh, – <laughs> right? just you, so you're like, eh, that's not really worth it. But that's also your pr- prerogative as yeah. a
0: vendor too, you know? Yeah. And I get to make that decision because I work for myself.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You can decide, but you put it in your contract. Um, Okay. So, another thing is how long is setup and breakdown for you? Some venues have very, very tight setup and breakdown times. So, depending on your vision, you might want to add some more time. Okay. If we're talking about hanging installations and those types of things, you're probably going to need the full morning to make sure that that's taken care of. So double check with your vendors um, and ask them and be realistic. So when you're hiring your florist or when you're hiring your pipe and drape team or maybe the ones that are doing your um, covering your, you know, your dance floor with a logo or anything like that, we're talking something that maybe require a little bit more elaborate, or they're a 15 piece band. How long are you gonna take to set up? how long are you gonna to take to break down? And if they tell you, oh, we need two hours to break down at the end of the night, a lot of times, I'm gonna say nine times out of 10, venues have a one hour breakdown time. Yeah. Cause they won't go home, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So that's something, and then that the venue might be like, hey, we need to add on, you know, more time for that day or even book an entire extra day the day before. So say you're setting up a tent, or book the whole weekend. They might have to, that venue might be like, you know what, you're having this this tent and these elaborate vendors come in and like, we need the day before to set up and then they need the day after to break down. Like you're going to have to book the whole weekend. So always think about that when you're kind of going into things and going in with a vision. Um, so that way you're kind of set up for success there. Um, then I talked a little bit about band equipment. So are you going to require any additional equipment from another vendor or fa- to like facilitate your services? You know, not all vendors come fully equipped. Okay. Some may need tables. Some may need linens. Some may need chairs. Um, some may need to to rent, you know, your Arbor or your hupa or whatever it may be. Or even audio equipment, to be honest, like if it's not a normal wedding band, they may not have like lapels and like those types of things that you need for ceremony. So they may have to order it in. I mean, I actually had that experience before where I had a couple who brought in a band from Georgia and they were amazing. I love them to death, but they're not accustomed to wedding bands and they normally don't. They're not a wedding band. You know they're an entertainment band, um, not specifically to weddings. So they didn't have all the equipment, and I had to connect them with a vendor here um, to make sure that they picked up all the equipment that they needed. But that charge went to the client. That's it's crazy, and like people don't realize the things that sometimes vendors need to make sure that their services are facilitated. I'm gonna say this too is like a lot of vendors too do make sure that they have their equipment. You know, like you're gonna come with all your lights, but not every photographer might have that, and they might need to rent it. And you know, if that couple wants that specific thing, say they want the end of the night and the end of the night while the you know the light stands behind them and they've got all these lights coming around to create this this really cool experience shot for them at night, and that photographer doesn't have all those things. They're gonna be like, hey, I don't have those things. I'm gonna have to rent it. This is gonna be the charge. Yeah, yeah, because they may not have all the bells and whistles. Um, so that's gonna be a thing is making sure that your vendors don't require additional equipment. Um, and am I the only event that day? <laughs> I saved the best for last. Am I the only event that day? Um, this is a big one, especially for venues. Um, and obviously, um, you want to make sure that like, it's your day and your way. And like, you know, there's not 20 other weddings happening. I mean, I know that's exaggerating, but like hotels will do other events at the same time. So like, you have to be reminded of that is like, that's going to happen. Or some venues will have morning events and then they'll do, the wedding in the the afternoon to evening and vendors aren't allowed to set up at a certain time and so that's important to ask and like I said this applies not just to venues um this also applies to other vendors as well um you know it could be a DJ it could be where they're doing something in the morning and then doing your evening you know, your event in the evening. So be cognizant of that when you are booking them. And if it's something that like you know is going to be an elaborate setup or you know this is going to be a big thing, probably not the right fit for you if they say, hey, we have multiple events in one day. Um so you want to make sure if they are having multiple events in one day, because this is a thing, this is normal, um, you want to make sure that they're fully staffed, they have a plan and still make sure that your wedding's a priority to them because you are a priority.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I totally That's, agree.
1: Yeah. And again, I made these questions very generalized to all vendors. I mean, like we mentioned in the beginning, we could start a whole series on this is what you ask, you know, your photographer. This is what you ask your wedding planner. This is what you ask your your band, you know, like It could be a whole list, but these are just some quick, easy, making sure that you're getting kind of your full vision, priorities met, um, and asking all the right questions
0: totally totally and i totally agree um i think it's really important when you do get on this call that you do like you have these questions ready and you some stuff just gets answered organically and you may not have to ask um but other things you know you may end up don't be afraid to schedule a second call if you go through the contract and you're like hey i have some questions about this like you know I noticed that there are travel fees on the call. We discussed that there are you're not going to charge travel fees. Um, then ask you can ask. Will you put an addendum in the contract? Um, it doesn't have to be pulled out of the contract. That is a mis a common misunderstanding. But if they put in a legal addendum and you both initial it, then you're protected. Um, so asking the, don't be afraid to ask questions. In fact, I think we all welcome that. Um, we It's, I, and honestly, I would add in here, don't be afraid to ask questions that are personal questions. Like, I love when my clients ask me, um, why did you, what, what brought you into the wedding industry? Why the wedding industry? Um, And I'm like, oh, that's so fun to like actually get to share my story with you.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, I love it when, because I always mention, again, because I'm, an inclusive um, person and I try to make sure that I'm hitting all the marks. I'm so used to saying partner um, instead of husband. And so when I say like, oh, you know, like, cause I'll, if I find that they vibe more with being relatable, then I'll be like, oh, okay, well I can dive a little bit more into my personality and like who I am. And then I love it when they ask questions like, oh my gosh, how did you and your partner meet? You know, and I'm like, oh, oh, my God, I'm so excited to tell you the story. You know, Um, so it's it's really it's a lot of fun, too, of like just connecting on a human level doesn't have to be all professional, um, because, again, that's also passing the vibe check.
0: Totally, totally. I love it. Well, thank you, Becca, for joining us again on The Wedding Dish today. This has been super helpful, super educational. Where can our listeners find you online?
1: Yeah, so they can reach out to me um, online on my website, which is WedToYou.co, and that's W-E-D, the number two, Y-O-U, dot .co, not dot .com um and you can find me on instagram um for wed to you and tiktok wed to you um and facebook like i'm on i'm on all the all the things all the things you can find her everywhere i love it um
0: and we of course will link to Becca and wed to you in our show notes our episode description so we'll make it super easy if you're driving right now and don't feel like you got to pull your phone out you can just hit the episode description or go to the show notes and find her directly there. Um, And while you're doing that, you can find The Wedding Dish at The Wedding Dish Podcast on all the socials. We are theweddingdishpodcast.com where you can get our show notes, which will have the list of these questions in them. So if you need to just pull it, and then modify to fit your wedding. You will be able to do that. Um, And don't forget to tune in next week. We've got another exciting guest. Maybe we'll have Becca back at some point in the future to talk about specific questions for specific vendors. Who knows? The sky is the limit here at The Wedding dish. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of the day. And until we see you again, cheers.